0: And we sat down and we talked about what we wanted in a market. And it was all about community.
1: I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. It's our season four finale. We'll be taking a few weeks off to cook up some fresh new episodes for you. But first, winter is Florida's peak growing season. So today, we bring you a conversation with Gail Egeman of the St. Petersburg Saturday Morning Market. Wintertime is when many Florida fruits and vegetables are at their peak. Sorry, all you people up north. So we think it's the perfect time to catch up with Gail Egeman. She's co-founder and manager of the St. Petersburg Saturday Morning Market, where each week thousands of visitors shop for produce, craft items, and a whole lot more. Gail chatted with me about the market's early days, her food heroes, and why bargain hunters like myself should stop haggling at Florida's farmer's markets. Okay, I used to live in St. Pete. I now live on the other side of the bridge. But one of the things I miss most (laughs) is Saturday mornings, walking my dog to the market, the sights, the sounds. For someone who's never been, can you paint a picture for me?
0: Well, you can hear market as you're walking towards market. But as you walk towards market, you're going to hear our band playing. We have a a live band every week. Um, We have between 125 and 135 vendors. There's lots to see. We have big, big, big organic farmers who just do an excellent job. I'm really proud of our farmers and a lot of really interesting handmade crafts. And then we have some food. If you come hungry, we have tamales and Ethiopian tacos, barbecue, soul food, Thai, Cajun, Indian, vegan. I don't leave anybody out. They'll be upset with me. <laughs> the because vegans will come for you. Yeah. And then other foods. You can walk around and see jars of stuff that you can't find quite in the grocery store. And I'm really happy to have the ferments, kombuchas poured right there, things like that. It depended on the time of day. People are dancing in front of the band because it's just so much fun. It is so much fun. And people bring their dogs and they bring their
1: kids. And I remember back when I used to go regularly, then Mayor Rick Baker would be there playing <laughs> playing the guitar. Like, where else can you see the mayor yeah, kind of really? letting his hair down and playing the guitar? I just love it. I did not realize that you were one of the founders. So take me back. How did this all get started?
0: Well, it really got started in 1996. There were four of us, Heidi Lovett, Judy Stenko, who has Spice Routes Cafe and was a vendor for 15 years and Indy Williams, we, won, we thought it would be a perfect place to have a market in Williams Park. And it closed down after a year. And then over the years, a couple of years later, we kept talking about, is it time? Is it time? Can we start again? And so 2002, we started meeting. There were six of us, Celeste Simon, an artist, Dennis DeTore, who was just an activist in the community, Judy again, me again, Teresa Ellis, who made this Taiwan on peanut sauce that was great, Heidi it again, she booked all our bands for the first couple of years and her husband. And we sat down and we talked about what we wanted in a market. And it was all about community. Like w- this is a place where you'd go and it'd be like a town square and you'd see people and you'd hug them and you'd hold hands. And it was just a place to be wonderful and have fun and be comfortable. So a lot of the rules that we evolved over the years all went towards that. Um, That started in 2002 and 2004, we incorporated so we could become a nonprofit, and we started doing food programs in 2010 after a little trip to Italy to something called um, Terra Madre that was put on by Carlo Petrini and the slow food, international slow food movement. And I went to that meeting with a little food group and learned about um, SNAP which is food stamps and the incentive programs that people were now allowed because of a foundation called Wholesome Wave. Wholesome Wave said, got the federal government to say, because the rules about food stamps were you weren't allowed to give them any sale items, you weren't allowed to give them anything special, but Wholesome Wave went to the federal government and had government in the food bill pass something where we could add incentives. And the and programs, are, ours is called Fresh Access Bucks and it's currently operated by Feeding Florida. There's 52 markets in, in the state. So we started doing that, and we had incentives, and I've had a number of different grants with different folks, the Allegheny Franciscans, the Florida Organic Growers, and all that. So it's it's been a program we've been doing for over 10 years now. People go, can I use this next week? And I said, yeah, I think you can use these tokens next week, and the week after, and maybe a couple more years down the road. So. It's a good program, and it ensures that anybody who wants to have good, clean food, which is a tagline for slow food, can buy it. It's a dollar-for-dollar match, unlimited until December 31st. So,
1: Oh, I just love that, and I love the intentionality behind the market. Why was it important for you to make sure that everyone had access to this food? Because honestly, farmers markets have a reputation as being for like kind of bougie people who, you know, can afford to eat everything organic and have their little designer dog that they bring with them. But why did you really want to include as many people as possible?
0: I think because St. Petersburg, it's my home and I, I love it. I love, I don't think there's people that Well, all that aside, it's just a good idea that everybody have access to food. It's good for your brain. It's good for your body. This clean food, you're going to find more nutrition in the food grown from our farmers, our local farmers. It's going to be fresher and hold the nutrition longer because it got picked yesterday so that everybody should have an opportunity to eat that food. It tastes better. It's better for you. And then I could go on and on about that, but I won't.
1: No, I just love that. And When we originally connected, I sent you some topics to discuss, and one of them was, I'm always looking for a good deal. How can we get the best deal? What time should we show up to kind of haggle? But you pushed back on that, and I want you to elaborate on that point, because this good, fresh food, it costs money. Can you just talk about
0: that? Well... It starts with the farm bill. The farm bill is passed and it's really random. They do it every like, oh, four to seven years, they pass a new farm bill and it's where the money comes for SNAP and the incentives. And that farm bill puts a lot of money in for those giant corporate monocultures where the food's not that healthy, not that great. It comes from somewhere far away. It's an environmental disaster because the soil is killed because they just keep growing the same thing over and over. Small farms create their own soil and renew that soil.
1: Okay, my instinct would be to go to the farmer's market and try to get the best deal on all the produce that I can. Why mm. should I not do that? Okay,
0: because these farmers, they work harder. I, I visit all the farms. It's one of the highlights of my job, and I hope to keep visiting farms. They work so hard to bring us this great food. And the difference between our small farmers here that come to market and other markets in the state is that they get very little federally funded money. Now, that SNAP program, you could say it's federally funded money because that, the tokens that I give out in market, the incentive is all about Florida-grown fruits and veggies. But the Farm Bill also has huge, and I'm talking billions of dollars of subsidies for those big corporate people who want to get corn soybeans those are the two major monoculture corporate farmers and if you read labels you're going to find all kinds of little bits and this and that of those products in your food they are not good for you you buy eggs from my meat producers and their eggs go out and they eat the bugs and they wander through the grass they take care of those chickens. So you are getting the best quality food you can. And it's full of omega-3s instead of omega-6s. And they work hard to do that. And they're not subsidized to the tune of billions of dollars. They're also an environmental hero. Those people who create the soil and keep it healthy so their food is good is also aiding in carbon sequestration. You know, people would say carbon sequestration and I'd go, ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea what it was. So I finally figured it out. There's a book called Grass Soil Hope by Courtney White. And he had the best explanation of carbon sequestration. Some people call it drawdown. It's a slightly different use. But the carbon sequestration is pulling the carbon out of the air. Carbon goes into the ocean or it goes into soil if it can. And it can't do that in a monoculture. It does that at our small farms. Pretty involved.
1: No, no, I I love that. Because when you're in the store or at the market and you see... One carton of strawberries is $2 and one is $5. These are the things that come back to mind. Why is this one more? There's a cost. There's a hidden cost for the other one.
0: There is a cost. And this is the, maybe you're paying the full cost of food and not your federal government paying that cost for you so you can go to McDonald's. (laughs) No, preach. Keep, keep
1: going. I like what you're saying.
0: (laughs) One of the things, Carl Batrini is this fellow who started Slow Food International and he started Slow Food because McDonald's went to Rome and it put a 450-seat McDonald's on the Spanish steps outside the Coliseum. And he was livid. He's a real interesting guy. He was he's always at the Terra Madre and he sponsors it. So his Salone del Gusto pays for you to go and have five days of communing with other people who are all food crazy, lovers of good food, good, clean, fair food. Who are some of your food heroes? Oh, Alice Waters, Carla Petrini and Slow Food, Dan Barber, who wrote a book called Third Plate and just has amazing, he has a a restaurant called Blue Hill in New York and a farm that was his grandma's. Um, And they turned it into a, Institute for Food, where they study what makes food great. Michael Pollan, of course, Mark Bittman, of course, Courtney White in the Grass Soil Hope. John Eichert is an agricultural economist who believes the world would prosper and do well with small farms. There's a woman named Ana Sophia Joannes. She made a movie in 2009 called Fresh the Movie. And it was between, I think, um, Michael Pollan Fresh the movie and going to the Tierra Madre, it transformed my life and who I was. And, and then I have to say, all those farmers who farm sustainably and regeneratively, they are food heroes. And then recently, I, gosh, I need to include Woody Harrelson, who created a movie just now on Netflix called Kiss the Ground. That movie explains why sustainable, regenerative farmers are climate heroes, especially compared to those corporate monocultures who kill the soil. So that's the short list of my food heroes.
1: Wow. And you know, I will warn people listening. If you read any of these books that she's mentioning or watch any of these documentaries, be prepared to never go back to how you were doing things before. I probably a decade ago watched the documentary vegetated and no pun intended oh. but cold turkey I have been a vegetarian ever since so these you know these names that she's mentioning they will change your life if you uh if you allow them to I know that not everyone will get to experience the Saturday morning market in St Pete which I mean there are probably hundreds of farmers markets in Florida, but there really is something special about this one. What do you think makes St. Pete the right place for this particular market?
0: I have to tell you that the Saturday morning market, we started, we were all volunteers. And I think the city of St. Pete, we have some food heroes right here and other heroes who I think our degree or a percentage of volunteerism in St. Pete makes it the place for this to happen because no one was paid. Yeah, except for the people who did set up. For six or seven years, no one was paid. It was all volunteer-driven. That's why we have market here. And that's why St. Pete is such a great place.
1: It is. Tell me where exactly the market happens, and do you have any
0: numbers to share as far as how many visitors attend? Yep. Um, Market is at First Avenue South and First Street, we have a GPS address on our website, which is SaturdayMorningMarket.com, where you can get all kinds of information about parking and who's playing at the. because we have a live band every week. And that's pretty great to know ahead of time. You can focus on your band, your favorite. We did a, an economic impact study in 2016 and found out, and this is 2016, this is what, five years ago that we had a $37 million annual economic impact in St. Petersburg, all this local money from our local vendors, from our market. And at that time, they did three counts where they sat with the little clickers and, and counted everybody that came in. And so this was five years ago. And this is not the case anymore. I know we have more than this. In October, maybe not this year, it was a slow start because of the COVID, 8,000 in October. And then in our big season, which is coming up when it gets cooler everything just really gets better and food gets better and everything but um 10 to twelve thousand people through january february march and then it it kind of slows down again when may gets really warm so that's a lot of people and we have enough room to handle all those people and we provide tables and chairs so those are some numbers Wow, those are some impressive numbers.
1: So, ten to twelve thousand people per month during those winter months.
0: No, no, no. Total
1: on a Saturday, Tw- ten to twelve thousand people per day. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Your grandma. How are you not? How are you
0: not the biggest market in the southeast? Well, it depends on what you call the biggest market. How many vendors? We have about hundred and seventy. Um, I'm sure others do. We don't, they're not all there at the same time. The city is kind enough to let us use that parking lot and we can't fit more than the 135, 140. So is it how many vendors you have? Is it how many people come? Not everybody counts how many people come. I think we're the best and and it would be, you know, a discussion about what you're talking about that makes it the biggest, the biggest piece of property, probably not our parking lot, but others Around We are a great market. We work real hard to make it about community and our vendors wear name tags just to make it about community. So everybody's comfortable and happy to be there. So I'm sure you've visited
1: other farmers markets around Florida and winter when you, as you said, because our growing seasons are reversed from most of the rest of the country. So winter is when we really get cooking with the farmers markets. What have you seen other markets doing that you would change? Like if you were going to mentor a baby farmer's market, what would be your advice to the organizers?
0: It it took work to get farmers to our market. And there were other opportunities back, you know, in 2014. Warden Farm wasn't our first farmer, but they're certainly our biggest and most organic farm. And then we got more. But I would ask, all farmer markets to really concentrate. It takes time. It takes money to curry the favor of a farmer. They need to be able to come. People need to know that they're farmers and that they really put a lot of effort into having vegetables and meats that are healthy and clean. So when you go to a farmer's market, sometimes in Florida, there's a produce reseller and there is a place for produce resellers. You can get We have a produce reseller and she brings stuff that's grown in Florida. It's maybe not organic, but it's really good. And it's not something that the other people have. She also brings in food from across the country that we don't grow in Florida or we don't grow it in that particular season. Learn about what's seasonal and help people understand. So we have a taste cart and our taste cart, when it's open, provides you from our farmers. We make a recipe. We make that recipe and then we give you a little taste so you can have an idea of something kohlrabi. Have you eaten kohlrabi? You probably have.
1: I have a, kohl- a kohlrabi, like a like a leafy green.
0: Yeah, it, it's, a, uh, sits, it's a little ball that sits on top of the ground and it has a big taproot that goes down. And you can eat that cooked or you can eat that raw. So one year at our taste part, right before uh, the Super Bowl, we had kohlrabi sliced into little chips. And you could dip it in, we had hummus and some tzatziki or some preserved lemons. We have a vendor who knows every tree in Florida, I'm just sure, his name is William Lee, and he brings the best citrus from all over Florida. And I preserved lemons for him one time, and so we put a a little piece of preserved lemon that made it pretty in the dip, and um, maybe some radish, some purple daikon radish, and it was just beautiful. And so I, I was hoping that people would serve this at their Super Bowl party instead of potato chips, instead of stuff that's maybe yummy, but not so good for you. And this was really yummy. So that taste card. You offered some tips
1: for the organizers of the markets. Do you have any other advice for people visiting the market? How do we pick, you know, the, the most appetizing produce and flowers and other things?
0: You want to just use your eyes, use your nose, use your thumb. Our vegetables look good, taste good. Sometimes they get a little flaccid because they've been out of refrigeration for overnight and it's a particularly hot day. But not to worry about that. Almost everything you can get at the Saturday morning market is so fresh. You just need to take it home and take care of it. Sometimes the greens need to have the bottoms cut off like the lettuce or the kale or the kohlrabi and stick it in a little cup of water and let it crisp up again. I don't know if you have a complaint, go right to that farmer. Or if you want to know about that vegetable, go right to that farmer. And each farmer has somebody there that can talk to you about food.
1: Oh, that's good. If you have a complaint, you can literally go to the person who grew it. And if you have a compliment, you can take that to them as well.
0: And boy, they work hard and love to hear that stuff. Let me say one more thing about small markets. Put out chairs and tables. Have some music. Let it be a community gathering place. Make sure you have a coffee vendor so everybody can sit around and have their coffee. We used to have a gang when we were still on Central years ago, and they would claim two tables and there'd be like 16 people sitting at this table all chatting every week. That was kind of a starter, I think, for us that kept it going. They still come. They just can't always get a table. (laughs) ironically yeah no
1: that's great something like coffee keeps people lingering longer and of course the music too well Well, this has been so fascinating i'm i'm just so happy for you congratulations on 20 years of this market and thank you for all your hard work it's got to be exhausting is there anything else you want to add or anything you want to share about what's coming up
0: well the taste card will be starting in a couple weeks i think you can look on our website and see a listing of all the bands because that's really fun and important to our market. We'll probably have some change in staffing. We have a new board. We're happy to have them. They're bringing new ideas, and I haven't heard all of them yet, but I'm pretty excited about that. And just keep coming. And I just want to say congratulations and keep up the good work. And thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it.
1: That was Gail Eggman, co-founder and manager for the St. Petersburg Saturday Morning Market and one of my food heroes. I'm saving you a spot on my foodie Mount Rushmore, Gail. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Baltham, Mark Hayes, and Lily Tyson, our wonderful intern from the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, who is leaving us. Lily, we'll miss you. The rest of us will be back with a new season of The Zest in a month or so. In the meantime, you can catch up on past episodes like Lily and her friends discussing the trials and tribulations of cooking in college. We've also got conversations about saving time and money when you eat at Disney World, mental health in the food industry, and whether the James Beard Awards are snubbing Florida. Spoiler, they are. Find these episodes in your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review The Zest. It helps other foodies to find us. You can also find audio from past episodes and recipes on our website, thezestpodcast.com. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2021. We'll see you next year.